audio teacher. Right. Exactly. I was like, oh well, God. the type of mic you need. He would. He would. He would walk out right now. He's like, "This is how you guys are going to podcast." Yeah. Is he still teaching? I I can't imagine he is. I mean, it's one of those things where he has so much money and so much. Oh, okay. Demand from these studios for his services. It's like, dude, you're THX. Like you are THX. Like right. we're named after you. It's like it's your program that is what mm-hmm. that is. So it's like. That's what we call them. We call them THX. Yeah, exactly. Is that like teacher for short? No, he's that, you know, THX. He's, he is that guy. Every time you say it, he gets a check. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, crap. Now I better write a check. It's like, it's like, looking back, it's like, oh, he was giving his services. That's nice of yeah. him because he didn't have to work. I can't imagine. He, was, he wasn't that young of a guy. Oh, okay. Him, so I, I can't imagine he is. Um, but he loved it. He loved talking about sound. It's like, oh, God. He's just one of those guys that likes doing that. It wasn't like, ugh, I have to teach. I want to teach. It's yeah. like he wants his knowledge out there. Yeah, he, he uh, I remember there was one time I had another teacher, um, good guy, uh, fastest uh, Pro Tools guy I've ever seen. Um, he's like, I'm the fastest I know. He was president of the Motion Picture Sound Editors Union. And he, uh, there was one time we were in class learning how to uh, re-record on a board you know, he's he sort of says, "Okay, I'm gonna get a sound going here. I'm gonna have Tom THX guy come in blind and have him recreate just based on hearing mm-hmm. the sound, recreate on the board how to how I mixed it. You know. Oh. And so, guy came in and he's just like, "Okay." And of course, my teacher David comes. He's uh, he's like master class. So the guy comes in. He's just. just mixing it up on the board and he's just trying to like hear it and he can't quite get it and then david comes in and says okay and so he had all the mix he had a paper with all the mix uh levels and so he goes like it's literally like up all the way down all the way up all the way down all the way up all the way down and so he's like that's it he's like yeah but in the real world you would never mix anything like uh, uh, yeah uh, uh, uh. like but, going in but he got close it's like going in blind up down okay That's yeah exactly but he got close he got really close how he used to take scantron tests uh right. i haven't i haven't answered d in a yeah. while i better put a d <laughs> sure. over there why not by process of elimination there has to be a d in here somewhere i know and that d was my grade um <laughs> I, I never forget every time i go every single time i go to a movie theater thx has ruined it for me he was uh hard on projectionists so like if Something was wrong with it's like his TA was like the projectionist, and mm-hmm. like if anything was wrong, anything wasn't on time, he'd yell. And it's like he's like, okay, I'm gonna just tell you one thing: if you're in the uh, the theater and you don't like the movie within the first thirty minutes, legally, like they have to give you your money back if you go out and ask for it. <laughs> so you do that, and the seat that you're gonna sit in is like this one, like because the speakers are here, the speakers are here. You need to sit here for the optimal sound and stuff like that. And I'm just like. I'm lucky to get in sometimes. I'm not like, I just want to see Suicide yeah, Squad. Exactly. I don't really care. I don't trust me. I don't think my seat's going to make this movie any different than what it is. Exactly. All right. Well, this is uh, post-apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is John. First few things that I always forget is we actually do have a Twitter that I mostly just right. post. Uh, it's uh, because John and Rob. And I did sign up for an Instagram account. There are no posts yet. It's because John Robert. John Rob was already taken. Sure. John Rob's a very popular name. 
It's 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 one of my favorites. There's a a character in uh, the new Twin Peaks. The son's name is Sunny Jim. Sunny Jim. There what, for a while, the, I thought it was your son Jim. The character's name is. Sunny. Character, it's not like, oh, it's my son Jim. No, it's Sunny Jim. And I was like, all right, David Lynch, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sunny, Sunny Jim. I was like, that makes sense. I think it's a rule in Twin Peaks. If it does make sense, it's out. The editor's like, this is feeling really, really good to me. I feel like it's cohesive. All right, just yeah, yeah go we, we got to start all over. Yeah, this we, we got to start from uh, that scratch. Yeah. Not going to do well for any of us. Resist your uh, natural impulses to make it cohesive and make sense. It is. It's, uh, But it's like there's something about just David Lynch's style that makes it interesting. But it works in that show. I don't know if you can always have that as a movie because i remember mulholland drive when it was a pilot yeah because marshall and i got the pilot in our office and it was not good it was it was very david lynch there was no cohesive no idea what's going on for some reason we weren't sure if we had the final or unmixed because there was no score and there were just moments where it felt like should there be music right here and we looked at it and you know it said mulholland drive final maybe he just didn't want music it's david lynch i get it and then all of a sudden it didn't get picked up so he decided to shoot more and make it a feature so a lot of what what the pilot is the movie oh really so he was like well fine i'll just shoot more and make it a a movie i think i saw the movie and i went yeah this makes just as much sense as your pilot did wow yeah mulholland drive i remember uh i still know pilot at the time that they shot Mulholland Drive. And I think okay. Justin Thoreau was in that. Sure. And he was in our pilot. Oh. And so he was like, he was here in LA to, to do both. <laughs> I just remember my uh, coordinator just every day on the phone with Justin Thoreau's agent because I think he got some stuff with Mulholland Drive that he didn't get with NBC. <laughs> and it was like, well, he needs this. And... Justin Thoreau, just great, great guy. But his people were just sort of like, he's getting this with Mulholland Drive, you need to get this. And she's just like, if anybody knows anything about a production coordinator, they don't negotiate contracts with the yeah. actors. So it was like, she's like, I, 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 you got to negotiate this with the casting department. I, you could probably, yeah, you they get, tell me, I yeah. get the piece of paper. It's like, he, yeah, he gets this size trailer and he needs this. Great. I'll yeah. get it done. I don't negotiate which size trailer right. he gets. We, I, we I don't have unlimited budgets just to go out and get stuff. So it's like, you're talking to me, but I, I can't. I don't have any power. Hey, you Justin know? Thoreau, I need this. Okay. Yeah. yeah you need and it talk. wasn't Justin Thoreau to, me, to be fair. It was not him. You know, you meet the guy and you're like, what's going on? We're doing a TV show. This is great. Yeah. He's just, hey, you got hired. Great. And he just needs to know where he's going. Yeah. That's it. He's just very, you know, low. The low maintenance, good guy, good guy. I was a PA. He's good to me, good to everybody. That's all that matters. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a class act. I have to say, um, the pilot didn't get picked up eh. for reasons I won't go into. But uh, it's pilot. Uh, How about that? It didn't get know, picked up because it was a pilot. But it was a you know, it's a Bill Lawrence pilot. It was, I think, an innovative pilot. One of the reasons why it didn't get picked up was there was already a show on the air like it. Oh. You know, with uh, John Stamos. And everyone knows in Hollywood, if John Stamos has a property, he'll, he'll, you, you can't copy it. Like He will bring the hammer he, down. He, he will. <laughs> That's so weird, though, because you think that 
was the reason, but there had to be another reason because there's 27 Chicago hospital shows on right now, and I don't think they're all the same. There's a lot of those. You're right. And it's like, oh, there's always a cop show. It's like, uh, unless it was literally like the exact same thing. It's like, oh, you're doing Green Arrow? We're doing Green Arrow. Well, we can't have two Green Arrow shows unless one's animated and then you could. But right. it just seems like, oh, it's about a single guy who's dating. Yeah, you can have two of those. Easily have two of those. Yeah, and that's basically what this was. A single guy who was, you know, dating around and stuff like that. And uh, John Stamos had, had that on lock. So it was like, okay. Well, that was that was his jam, though, really. It, it was like, it? well, Stamos is doing that, so we can't really have a guy to do that. Um, I don't know. If, I mean, Justin Theroux wasn't right for the role either. Um, that is weird. Like, I've been on a few of those where we've had a name actor, and you see the pilot, you're just like, that's weird. You're good, but this isn't right for you. Yeah. Like, it just didn't fit, and you're sitting there going, but he's good. Yeah, it just doesn't fit the part sometimes. Yeah, and and they knew that, you know, but they, we shot it anyway. You know, it's like when you get clout, you know, like Bill, you know, you could just go ahead and shoot it. Um, Even when you're seeing it, it's like, well, once it's together, it'll make sense. And, it, and if you had it in your head, you're probably trying to make it. Hey, Bill wanted that. Like, oh, man. In my head, it's him. And then you get him, you're like, oh, it wasn't him. Yeah, I mean, and, and that would be the case, except for before we started editing, like, yeah, don't, don't, don't bother. They saw it and we're like, no, we're good. Yeah. No, they didn't. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, they went to the taping. It was like a hybrid uh, single camera and a multicam show. Oh, okay. So it was on a stage, but we shot with, like, uh, steady cams and jib arms and Stuff like that. It was a two-story set. Ooh. So that's impressive, uh, though. Yeah. Was no, that an awesome set? It was. No, it was like it's cool. I mean, it was like the cast was great. Um, one of my friends was in the cast. It was really, it was really nice. You know, it was one of those things where it's like, uh, I don't know if Justin Theroux's right and Stamos. You know, yeah. we got Stamos. Stamos just show up in the back of the set. Yeah, he's staring. Like, just uh, scowling. <laughs> oh crap! Stamos is here. Yeah, shut down! <laughs> shut down! <laughs> no, but that was that was a that was a fun pilot. Randall did that one. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, he built Lawrence. So yeah, yeah. It, it was it was like I, I enjoyed it for his like innovative. Like we shot on sixteen millimeter. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like going to the photo cam, going to the lab. Like oh. I'm taking dailies to the lab. Yeah. Is what I'm doing, you know, and it's like it's in amazing. the 2000s. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, 2005. Right, you know? and it's like this is crazy. You know, I'm a few years out of film school, and it's like this is this is cool. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, I can like tell them to do stuff, <laughs> you know, and I had my own like they kind of told me how to drop the film off, and I was like, well, no, you got to add this and you got to do this. And I would like use my film school knowledge to, yeah. to, to drop off the dailies and it was kind of cool and that's probably where had i gone to film school like one of my first shows was film well my second show homeboys in outer space was tape because no yeah. one wanted to spend money on <laughs> film on homeboys in outer space which oddly enough there was they did a top 20 of the worst sitcoms or uh, worst shows on tv and the first two on the list were uh cavemen and homeboys and i was like Come on, these are good shows. Quit giving me shit. And like it was just daunting. Uh, on my first film show, they go, "All right, go to Photochem and get uh, cans, bags, and cores." And as a PA, you're like, "Yes," 
got in my car with photo cam going I, I don't know what this is i have i had no idea i had no film knowledge prior yeah. to that i knew film existed yeah when i started homeboys it was tape so and i knew shows shot film but i didn't know the process of right. film i mean i knew film had to go to a lab and then you got film back that's all i knew right so I literally walk into photo cam in there. I was like, yeah, I need to get cans, bags, and of course, I didn't know if I needed petty cash. I'm like, yeah, there's a room. Yeah, there's a, yeah, and you just go grab it. Grab what you need. Yeah. And I was just like, oh. Yeah. I didn't know. I think I grabbed 40 cans. That's 40. funny. I grabbed everything equal. So it was just like, I think I grabbed 20 cans, 20 cores, yeah. and 20. And I was like, here you go. And they're like, we, we need four. They're like, we don't, because when you say 20, I'm like, what are they doing in there? Okay, it's like, it's No, they didn't tell me okay. the amount. And maybe yeah. that was a test. Maybe that was my lobster test. Of, yeah. I could have went, how many? Or just went, sure, What? what's the amount? I was just as a P. I was just like, sure. Went photo cam, and I'm just like, here. And they're like, great, we don't need it for the whole season. We yeah. just need enough <laughs> to get us through, like, two weeks. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. And then from that point on, I grabbed, I think they always wanted four. I always grabbed six. I was like, it's going to be the one time. And I don't want to scramble on show night. Yeah. Oh my god, we're one short. Go! And I'm running to get, you're running you know, to get one the free cores bags in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember doing the same thing. Well, I was like film school, but like just going there and like, yeah, get some cans, bags, and cores. And I'm like, uh, how? Where? Where's cans, bags? And as soon as you say, it, yeah, yeah, out, out front. So like, even outside, there was like a bin yeah. of just free. I say free. I mean, this is what they do. You're recycling stuff. So it's like. Well, yeah, because they know if you're there to pick up, you're not just going to be, why would a homeless person or just someone off the street get, Right, it can't do anything with them. I mean, you could aesthetically make art or something, but you're there for a reason. And you know, if you're picking them up, you're returning those cans, bags, and cores. Right. So they're just going to put them back out there. It was actually pretty smart. No, absolutely. I'm sure at one point they charged and then they just went, look, because then it might be one of those, well, people are finding them cheaper and those cores don't work as well as the cores we like. So- We'll keep it all in house, yeah. and that was probably the first time it felt tactile. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was picking up a can, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm in the movie industry!" Right, exactly. It's like, "Oh my god," and you know, it was like, and that was the last time you've done. I mean, that now you, you, it's not gonna forget it. Yeah. And they're like, "You're not wearing gloves. You can get cancer yeah. from the cans." <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a fun experience, just because um, I got to like deal with film, uh, jib arms, two story set. And my favorite thing on a, a TV show is the studio audience and like the show nights and going there and just have a feel. It's sort of like theater. Yeah. But the great thing about being uh, at that uh, at that time post PA was the fact that I went on. You go on the floor. You look important, but because that's productions uh, realm, mm-hmm. you don't have to do anything. Yeah. So you just fold your arms, look important, and people are like, "What was that guy?" And just look yeah. at. Just look at the stuff and don't have to worry about like, you know, being called over a walkie. Hey, I need you to go back to the office and get yeah. this or do that or do that. Yeah, because once they're filming, there's nothing post you can yeah. do. It's like, look, I gave them their pre-taped material and the yeah. one music cue they asked us for. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. I, I get to watch a play. Yeah, you get to watch a play until, you know, I got to take the tapes back yeah. or something. But that's it. Yeah, it was kind of uh, the closest I've ever come to that moment where... You're like, I was that person because two years prior, like I did Homeboys in Outer Space and then my next show was uh, Ellen, uh, the Mm -hmm. last season of Ellen. I went to a taping of Ellen on its third season. So it was right before I started in the business and I took actually Angela 
We went to a taping of Ellen, sat in the stands, watched all the people walk around. And then two years later, I was on the stage looking at the going, oh, that's weird. I was that person on that show, too. Yeah. So it wasn't like because I'd been to tapings. I went to a Happy Days taping when I was a kid. Um, But it wasn't even that moment of like, my God, I used to be that person. It was like, holy crap, I was that person at this show. But they had moved stages, which was kind of a bummer because it would have been nice to that full circle moment where it's like, yeah. this was the stage I was on. But yeah, like like you said, it was great to be poster. You could just stand there. And yeah. everyone in the audience, because I probably did the same thing. wonder what that guy does. Yeah, I bet yeah. he's important. And, yeah. you know, office PA who's just taking a break. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And you're just sitting there, you know, I'm sitting there all, uh, standing there, arms folded like a producer. Like, I try to act like a producer, like yeah. I was important. Like, oh, my God, he's just there. He's, he's probably the executive producer. He's probably, <laughs> like, surveying everything. And, you know, he hasn't said anything yet, but, you know, if shit goes down, you know, yeah. he's going to be all over it. No. Just, just randomly walk up to people you know and whisper dumb stuff so yeah. it looks like, oh, he's exactly. giving them, them what to do. Exactly. Like, just walk up and whisper, how late do you think we're going to be night? Yeah. Oh, my God, he must be giving orders. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to be late? Are we going to be late? Because I got a, you know, I got a party in the valley I got to yeah. go to. And uh, I got to take the tapes back <laughs> at 1 a.m. <laughs> That would have been the time to just like hold a cup like of tea or water or coffee and then just look at your watch. Oh, like, totally. Yeah. Oh my God, he's like, what are we doing? He's managing time down there. Yeah. <laughs> just go to the camera. Every now and then, I would go to the camera guys and say something, and you know, they laugh, and I was like, yeah, they think I'm, they think I'm something. You know? Yeah, that's a guy. We should be friends with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I remember one time uh, I was talking to the camera guys, and. I don't know why they're all over 70, but I guess that's a union thing. But I think that's where you retire. You retire to television. Right, exactly. Yeah. Because your hours, like especially multicam, you're going to work three days a week. Like you're going to have your block days, your pre-shoot days, right. and then your shoot day. But you're not working any longer than eight-hour days. You're not. And for that reason, because you're only working like two or three days a week – a lot of those guys doing more than one show. Yeah, so they're working. Yeah, on that one show, so they're working five days a week, probably eight hour days. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's, and it's got to be because it's a union. It's it's got to be breezy. So one guy, I remember it's camera, usually white guys, you yeah. know, older white guys. There was like a black guy, you know, behind the camera, and he was the same age, if not older, than everyone <laughs> else. So one of the camera guys that I really liked. Which the whole crew was awesome, which mm-hmm. is a death, like a death now. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it just show's not going to last yeah. if everybody gets along. He's like, you see that guy right there? He's like, he he was in Shenandoah. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Like, Shenandoah, the movie. Uh, okay. Jimmy Stewart. I'm like. You keep saying names. I was like. like you literally <laughs> just keep saying names. I'm 20. I was like. Yeah, I was in my twenty. I was like, uh, I know Jimmy Stewart, but at Shenandoah, I mean, I've seen It's a Wonderful Life. That yeah. was my extent. Even the films, go- and 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 maybe one other movie, but it was like Shenandoah, some western, you know, mm. back in the day, and it was like, like way back in the day. <laughs> and I was just like, he's and the guy's laughing because he's like, yeah, he was in Shenandoah, which was ancient. That's how old this guy is. Yeah. But he was an actor in that, and now he's still on camera. You know, yeah. it's like that's awesome. I'm like, wow, this is this is really cool. In my whole mind, the whole time, I'm like, 
why are you guys so old? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, granted, like, I'm not downplaying camera. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a tough skill job, and that's why these guys are there. But it's not a like you're not taking the camera on your shoulder no. and running through, you know, uh, Normandy Beach or anything like that. So you know, you just sort of moving the the uh, tripod around. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I guess that's why these guys can do it. But you're right. It's sort of a retiring thing. But I was just thinking, why do these guys get to do it? I mean, it's just, it's well-paid and paying job. And, you know, I mean, gets to give some younger guys a crack. I'm like, how? what do you have to do to get here? Like, Yeah, you're looking at your age going, oh, so I have to work another 40 years yeah. before I get behind the camera? I know. <laughs> I'm like, damn, like, what did you guys do before? <laughs> Unless they were... And they were like they were working in the industry for their whole career, yeah, and just you know just landed on these things. Now, granted, everybody who works a uh, multicam camera is not uh, older, but yeah, the ones that I've seen have been like really, really old. To the fact that like a twenty-eight-year-old guy, you're just like, okay, well, I can't, you know, I I, I have no. I hear that it takes you know ten, fifteen years out of school to really get your footing in the industry uh minimum now i know it's 50 years you know yeah, no, exactly. it's like why why did i ever leave school exactly <laughs> it's like jesus but i do like the multicam uh format for that reason uh every day i do a uh, single cam i appreciate it more because it's 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 it was easier it was an easier time yeah. uh and the money is the same kind yeah. of. so it's like uh, working a lot less for the same yeah. coin you know i don't know um well yeah because like for what we do in post if we work on a multicam and then we work on that our rate is roughly the same so yeah i get it it's what you want to do but it's just sort of like i could do either or you know what i mean it's just it's just such a weird um thing it's not like oh i don't do multicam because the, the money's crap yeah. yeah money's really good yeah don't work that hard speaking of old music yeah. there was a uh that show I did uh, with Marshall, the Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23. Yeah. Um, I like saying bitch every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was this scene, uh, this storyline where Vanderbeek was in Dancing with the Stars, and I mean, something goes wrong, and there's, uh, I guess it's on Netflix, so I can watch it. Oh, uh, there you go. There's a, a scene where it goes like to a graphic where there's hold music and mm-hmm. it's like uh please stand by uh experiencing technical difficulties and i made that graphic oh nice and i don't know why was why in the world would i be searching the internet for reviews on our show but i happened to be doing that mm-hmm. and there was one in entertainment weekly and it's weird because in my mind, I expected to see my graphic. I like <laughs> someone should appreciate this graphic. Yeah. Sure enough, on this uh, article, like at the very bottom is my graphic, and it's sort of the writer saying, "You know what? If anything goes wrong in Dancing with the Stars, this graphic should be up." You know, it's oh. hilarious. I have to find that article and I'll send it to you. <laughs> I was like, I may entertain. My so you're gra- sitting on your couch with a phone ring any minute now. I was like, <laughs> any minute. <laughs> Even a check from, you know, Fox. Nothing. Yeah. No, that was for free. And I was like, oh. Yeah, I that, that's good exposure. For what? Exactly. My name's not mentioned. No one knows who this is. I should have, like, sent the link to, like, 
post executive. See, you, you pay me, pay yeah. me for this. It's on your IMDb <laughs> logo artist. I should. I'm sure there's less on there from other people that have done. Oh, I was, you know, I walked by a movie set. Where's my AMD? <laughs> I walked by, walked by. Oh, yeah. what? No, oh, okay. Is that a role? Can I get that? James Franco. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah that's all his. Right. <laughs> that's all I do is I just wander around. I just wander around. Uh, it was funny. I wanted to call back on our uh, Byron Allen podcast. Yeah. It wasn't all about Byron, but it kind of was. We ended up be. seeing um, 47 Meters Down. The shark movie with mm-hmm. Mandy Moore. I, I know it, but I know. Oh, okay. Uh, it was one of those, let's go see a movie. And it was hot, and a movie about water somehow. All right, theater will be cold, and it'll be in water. There you go. Done. Solid. Really, actually, really a solid. Well, she's, she's solid. Yeah, it's, it, the premise literally is, it's, they go do that uh, shark cage thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, hey, we're going to go look at sharks. Uh, uh, cable breaks, they go 47 meters down, hence the title. Mm-hmm. And... It's them having to live with the air they have and trying to communicate with the boat to get more, but the water's infested with sharks. But you, they did the good thing. You rarely see any sharks. There's a couple shark moments. They did the whole Jaws thing. Don't infest the waters. Don't, don't make it unbelievable. So they first go down. They're like, oh, my God, there's a shark. This is crazy. Cable breaks, and they're now at the bottom of the ocean. Or hmm. on the bottom right there. Very well done. It's 90 minutes. Yeah. Credits roll, Byron Allen, produced by. No way. And I'm like, all right, I need to look this up. Are you up. serious? So what happened was, was that movie was supposed to be straight to video. Like, it, I guess they made it, and the big stars were Mandy Moore and Matthew Modine as the boat guy. Is this and, Stranger Things kind of? Yeah. It was, no, he's like, remember Cutthroat Island? Yeah. It's that guy. <laughs> it's the same guy from Cutthroat Island. I look up, and so I guess they made the movie. It was going to straight to video. I guess it passed through Byron's company. And okay. he was like, we should put this in the theater. Made $50 million. Well, no way. Not over the weekend. It's no, but ten the to, run. The yeah. run so far has been $50 million. He's He's like, we should just. Like, how does he, like, and once again, if this was on Netflix and I, hey, Mandy Moore, I'm going to watch this. Sure. It would have been, it's a solid movie for what that was. That would have been in the theater probably 25 years ago, no matter what. Yeah. You know, it's just that kind of movie. But I think it was just so funny. We're watching the credits like, oh, Byron, of course. Of course. And he and it's not just one of those things where, like, I think it was him that went, hey, this should go theatrical. And then he got the right distrib- you know, the people that of wanted course, to put it up. because he's and, got his people in place. Yeah. Should we go to him? Like, should Trump go to him for all this? Should we go to him for all decisions? Because yeah. it seems like he just he kn- knows. He knows what he's uh, He's he like, should- yeah, that's good. I would say he should be president, but I don't think he has time. Yeah, no, he's like, look, I can do it on the weekend. Yeah, exactly. I can be weekend president, but that's well, it's kind of what we have right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> and even, I guess they were like pitching. It's like, well, 47 meters down. How is that going to internationally? It's like, no, keep the title. No, it's fine. 47 meters down, even though I had to look up like what the actual depth was. Like, I didn't care. Hey, two people are stuck in a in a cage. And well, it's funny, though, the poster is uh, oh. you see 100 sharks. At no point is there ever that many sharks. In, but not that that's a bad representation. Them stuck in the cage with a shark, you know? Right. And, like, they really built up the tension because it's like, all right, you have this much air. These girls go to, forgot, Mexico. I have no idea. And they're like, let's do the shark, shark adventure. Cool. They get there, and it seems kind of sketchy. So they're setting up the groundwork of, yeah. Um, hey, this could break or something. 
they don't over explain everything because there wasn't any moment where like that'll come back it was just sort of that thing things they told you so you knew clues it's like hey when the air gets here you're getting low so like when they would look at it they wouldn't have to go i'm low on air you as an audience could go oh she's low on air and they they built up the tension of like they were so far down they couldn't radio up so they one of them ventured up really quick got radio and then swam back down and then a shark came you're like oh my god this is really done sort of a surprise ending there was a lot about this movie where i saw like if byron saw it on disc or something he watched it with like why not like the worst case scenario it was going to make 20 right they put it whatever market they want they're still going to make a little money theatrically from this but 47 thanks to byron man that's his he's just sitting back just do you think he's He's got like a bed or beds, like just of like stacks of cash. Yeah. Or he's just like always like, uh, he's like just basically money suit himself. Exactly. It's just insulated with a money. <laughs> you can't tell that it's a money suit, but he just walks around. And it's like, yeah. Exactly. He's but, walking around with a backpack all the time, which is cash in there. Just, he's not going to use it. He just, he likes to feel. Yeah. Makes me feel good. Just, That's the amount of producers that were on it, though. Wow. <laughs> and I don't think that that. Like this, like you'd have to scroll. The, yeah, you have to scroll to finish the producers. Oh my God. It got to Byron, and he was like, "Well, we need to get this to the thing." So it was just all about money, getting it out to the thing. So each, I think, probably every five producers is probably a company. Yeah, you know, right. it's not like they were all right. contributing to the film. Those were just all people at companies that get a producer credit. Because I remember that, like when the end credits rolled, I was like, oh, "There's a lot of executive producers on." There. Yeah, what a smart, smart guy. Because he has such a a model business model, and just I guess a junior. I say this is junior Byron Allen is Tyler Tyler Perry, where you have like, okay, and it's smart. You just think not many people do this. It's like, and they both happen to be you know African American, but it's like you go, oh, I'll just have my own studio. And I'll just produce all this content. I'll license this content to you from my studio. Yeah. And, you know, he set up a whole, Tyler Perry, set up a whole 100-episode order studio or whatever. So the studio, from a business standpoint, goes, oh, well, we don't have to rent, you know, space to do all this. Like, he's going to, that's going to come within the deal. And he's going to do all that. He's going to build all the sets. Um, it's going to be, you know, done for this money. Like, he's got everything in place. So it's like, okay, wow, we're just dealing. We're just doing business. Not like, hey, here's my script. Can you make my show? Yeah. Uh, Byron Allen already has distribution um, companies probably around the world. Probably around the world. And uh, he's like, oh, let's do this theatrically. And when he says that, it's like, I know how to do this theatrically. I can do it right now. Yeah. I'll call this person, this person, this person. And they have these relationships with these theaters. Boom. Done. Yeah. And, and they got the people out there because uh, Ange had heard about it because Mandy Moore was on a talk show. At that point, by the time I got to Byron, it had been almost eight to nine months since they had finished. So it was probably that weird thing. Oh, no, you got to do press now. Oh, I, I thought that movie was done. Probably as yeah. Mandy Moore was like, I thought, eh, I took a gamble, thought it was a good movie on paper and just disappeared. And then got her out there. Some people saw it. And, you know, $47 yeah. million dollars later, it uh but it's funny, though, you think with Byron Allen, it's like, show Byron, he's, what is he going to make, Shark Judge? You know, like, is, it, is, it, is, there, is there a judge aspect to this? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> what, you know, 
Because yeah. I'm looking at like Byron now and like his stuff. It's like it literally is just all judge shows. And yeah. then 40. And it could be something new. He's maybe venturing out into the distribution of movies. He won't produce some. It, like no money out from him. Yeah. It's that, hey, we made a film. All right. I This one I know will make money. It's just sort of a like he can look at it, maybe break down the analytics of it and just go, this will yeah. do something. I'm not going to put any of my money in until I know the product's done. Right. So you just get people finished movies and it's like we don't know about this and there's a whole business out there of this stuff where you just acquire things and it's acquisition but you like acquire things and sort of work these deals foreign rights all these things theatrical release it theatrical release it distributed in so many different uh, no. ways now that you know there's like money to be made without actually doing something that you and I want to do which is actually making stuff right you know as opposed to like Hey, I can just uh, acquire this property here, and so all I want to do is just look for properties. That's why you see a lot of young upstarts, or not even young, but people trying to get in who have a pretty good product that gets some sort of uh, buzz, and you see a lot of people coming in trying to acquire it because that's a big business, yeah. you know, trying to not trying to develop something or do anything like that, which is very expensive and and risky but something that has been proven to go in there and say okay i have like the producing force to go ahead and, and take this to where you know it needs to be so it could be financially you know viable and get a, a return on my investment i know how i can get it just like when that article you sent me uh soderberg it's like hey i could just sell the foreign rights get the money to make the movie that way and you know won't be a 70 million dollar uh, movie, but it'll be something where I can go ahead and I can start shooting and I can, you know, finish it up and distribute it. And it's fine. It's great. You know, I don't have to worry about, will a studio make this or, you know, I got to get the money for this. And like every film, I about how good they are. Um, unless you're making some tent pole. Yeah. You know, it's like this struggle to get that, that capital from the studio. Well, and with him, he's at a point now he can go do experimental and get Matt Damon for a day for free. Sure. You have, you can get, you probably cherry pick one or two people that will hook you up with a favor. Matt would do you a favor. Yeah. You know, it's like, look, I need you for one day. Great. I'll do that for you. Don't worry about it. Or like get some sort of scale because you have to get paid somehow, yeah. you know, and then great. Now he's got something to sell overseas. He'll definitely make his money back, you know, by making yeah. all that. And then like you were saying it, even though we want to make the films, it's good to know that there's those people out there that can sell your film. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's, they just need content. No, absolutely. And that's that's the one thing I learned uh, in film school. That When I was there, it was sort of short films were starting to uh, be viable, like as a financial, uh, as a property that had some sort of financial return. You know, before that, it was like, it was simply just, your short was simply just a calling card. It was like, hey, here's what I've done. It may win a couple of awards at festivals or whatever, but beyond that, like, it's not going to uh, prompt anything from anybody, but what are you doing next? Yeah. I just remember uh second, it's called 508. That was our uh, second semester class where we make a uh, um, non-sync black and white film on 16 millimeter, five minute short. And some of them, you know, were really, really good. And one of our... Uh, fellow film students he was about a couple semesters uh, ahead of us he got his into Sundance oh 
and that had never happened before and so this was a big of course it was a big deal you mm-hmm. know for the school like wow not only did he get his film in a Sundance this is the second semester yeah you know so you're still kind of babies at that point and you know you talk to him everyone wants to talk to him like, yeah how did you get it in the Sundance because of course we all think we can get everything yeah. in this Sundance so we should be like big time directors already and he's like well it's basically programming you know I made a film that could program with a feature and mm-hmm. it could go because there were similar themes mm-hmm. and so that's how we got it and he's like if they didn't have a feature to pair it with then I wouldn't have gotten in um, so he went to Sundance and he's like it's so overwhelming because it, I'm sure it's 40 times yeah. more overwhelming now but like back then he's like everyone's got like phones in each ear and you know they're just talking to him and he's like I'm not a schmoozer and uh, the actress, he said, actress Alfie Woodard came up to him and said, oh, my God, that film that you did was so great. Wow. And her question was, what do you what what are you working on next? What 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 kind of script feature are you doing? You doing something? And he's being a second semester student, didn't have anything at the yeah. time. He said, uh, he's like, that was my regret that I didn't have like that one script to say. Here it is. Right. You know, because that's that's when the iron's hot. That's when it's like you can strike now. Now they're now they're like, what do you got? Or you just need to lie. Yeah. And that's another (laughs) tactic that I did learn later on from a super agent that works at at USC. But um, but that only works for so long. Well, I mean, like, especially in that you could have just went, oh, I'm working on this thing it's sort of a contemporary piece to what i did up there oh really and then you just like oh shit i better go right yeah, yeah, but- yeah which is a ta- which is a tactic that works yeah for for a while um <laughs> at least to, like that would have gotten <clears throat> through the rest yes. of sundance or something it's like well i'll just lie i may never get another call but now i know if i'm bringing something i gotta have something else right and i've done it i've done it where i did like hey what do you got or i went to people like you know celebrities and said we're cool and i was like hey i got something you know and they're like great give it to me and I'm, oh yeah yeah i just i gotta go write it you know that kind of thing um well and now too it's like oh just email it to me right now oh fuck. Now, now you're right now it's like that now it's like yeah just uh uh yeah it's, here's my email just send me a link or send me this or what yeah now it's like instant no i'll, I'll wait here while you do it yeah oh, geez. <laughs> like well, you know, I'm still trying to... I'm writing it with my buddy, and then I got to get his. Now, um, you yeah, accidentally just throw your phone in the gutter. Exactly. Oh, I fell. Uh, I'll wow. get it to you later. <laughs> oh, my email's broken. What? Does it yeah. work like that? Content. You know, it's like you said. It's like, that's what happened. I was listening to an interview the other day, uh, and they were talking about podcasts. Oh, there we and go. And how the young people... But the young people want to see stuff. Yeah. Like audio is good, but they want to see something. Pharrell said that Happy was out for six to eight months before it really got popular. He said, and it didn't get popular at all until that video came out. But that's a weird thing, though, for even Pharrell to know that. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the song, it, it is, was the song released as a single six months before the video came out or was that song on his album and then no one really did anything until no, no when he's been- when they say it's out it mean it released oh okay so it released it was released out there for six to eight months nothing 
video came out, groundswell. Yeah. So he's like, it's just the importance of a video. And, you know, the importance of a video, I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but the importance of a video like in the 80s oh, yeah. was huge. Yeah. Right? Because it was like, wow, we're actually seeing the band in a different place than an interview or some sort of like late night TV show yeah. or a concert. We're not. We're just seeing them in a weird video, yeah. fun video, whatever. That's kind of cool. So yeah. then you you kind of want to watch those videos. I thought that even in the '90s, it was like saturated with video. So I thought, well, maybe the video doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I don't know why I'm thinking it really doesn't matter today because oh my god, now there's YouTube. Now you can just now there's so much out there. Yeah. But I think that that's it makes it even more important now because if I want to see a video from or if I like a song mm-hmm. or if I like a band, I'll just go on to YouTube and say, "Hey, what, what, yeah. they, what do they have?" And if they have something on there, then I'm like, oh, "Okay, this is this is cool. Like I can I can put a visual to it, and, I, and if it's fun, if it's cool video or concept, then I can go back and and watch it and yeah. you know." Um, you know that adds something to the song for me personally i don't know if that's gonna make me like the song more or make me want to go out and purchase the song yeah it, I, I don't i don't know yeah I mean, it's that thing like you said yeah the 80s the video was king yeah it was because it was the first time you could see like if you lived in an area where that band didn't come through it was your only way unless there was some sort of like unless they were on the tonight show or like what is it? The show Angie used to watch. It was like Friday Night Lights or something. No, not Friday, Friday Night. Friday Night Videos or something. Yes. And it was like one of those things where that was the only time she would see the band she liked. Yeah. And then the 90s, it oversaturated because it was like, oh, all these new artists just keep doing videos. But there was a lot of talent that came from that. And I would say there's a couple bands that I probably got into because I saw the video. Like it was just, hey, who are they? Oh, I like this. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I explored it and the album ended up being good. And then there was that sort of dead zone in the mid to late 2000s where it didn't feel like it was that important anymore. I feel like you do need it still because people still go to YouTube. But like you're saying, like now, like say I like Pharrell, he probably posts on Instagram all the time. Yeah. Videos of him. So it's like, I don't really need to see a video. It's not like that special thing anymore where, right. oh my God, I get to see him perform where now he probably talks on Instagram or those Insta stories or Snapchat and then... Oh, there's him live. Uh, just go to YouTube. Frail live this year. Boom. Right. There it is. But, you know, there's something still, I think, intimate about the music video. And you're right. And I guess for me, it's like literally 70 to 80% of the videos uh, out there it's, did not service the artist as well as it should or mm-hmm. the song. And I could do better. And it's yeah. like, this is either a rehashed idea or something that's like okay let's just get the camera and get some really talented people behind the scenes and just like shoot something yeah and it's like okay that was kind of cool kind of fun but not interesting enough to where you know where you had that sweet spot uh some in the 80s but really the 90s some of the 2000s where it was like other early aughts or whatever it was yeah where it was was like oh wow this is like spike jones was doing stuff like where it was like oh wow this is kind of like innovative this is kind of cool this is interesting now it's like yeah you know they're just just doing 
stuff and calling it interesting, but it's not really. Or calling it art, yeah, but it's not really. Well, it's yeah. funny because a lot of those videos, like the 80s videos, as some are terrible and some are great, they were all good because they were just new. No yeah. one knew right, exactly. what to do. It was just sort of like there were some where it's like, well, we'll just do very a very lit- literal version of the song. So what you're singing about is what we're going to see. Right. Then you had Duran Duran who were just always on a boat. Like none of their songs had boats in them, but they were just always on a boat doing right. something exotic. Yeah. And that, you know, fed into the right fantasy. And then the 90s, which is weird because a lot of those people that I ended up really liking video director wise ended up being like Spike Jones, Michelle Gondry, uh-huh. uh, Mark. Right. Uh, uh, Ramonic. Moronic. So it's like you had Anton Corbin, who more like 80s, 290s. So all of a sudden, those people just sort of exploded. Samuel Bear. Like, there were a lot of just great directors that came out of, like, Joseph Kahn. And people that ended up doing... David Fincher. David Fincher ended up yeah. doing features later on. Right. And it's like, wow, this people... That was the new way in. Before, yeah. like, videos were just sort of, oh, that's what 80s bands did. But there were some directors, I think Russell Mulcahy did all the Duran Duran ones. And he was still directs. Then the 90s, it was sort of like that was where the young talent went. All the bands were in their 20s, so there was like some idealistic 20-year-old, let's make a crazy video. And then right. those people, and then like that video hit, that guy's a genius, keep giving him videos. And it's like, well, yes, that video was really good, but it probably had a lot to do with the song too. Yeah. You know, just because the song's popular doesn't mean the video is that groundbreaking or anything. But then, then there was that weird late 90s, early aughts. Everything looked exactly the yeah. same. Like one person did something kind of cool, and then that's all yeah that's what it was it was like one you know the whole fat boy slim video and yeah it was like okay that's cool but then that's probably the only cool thing that that's when you go to the uh mtv music music video awards or whatever and it's like well that's gonna win because that stands out because everything else is like you said literally the same yeah or uninspiring yeah you know and you're right you know the company director uh label band they all get together for a concept and so what you know what do you want to do and you know they they, they do something but yeah. you know a lot of times like today i mean, watch these videos and i mean i guess you know it's the artist too i mean you click on it not that i am but you yeah. click on any taylor swift video yeah and you know she gets like two billion views yeah. for each video and i guess it's her because they're not necessarily any better than yeah and and it's funny like her videos are like 10 million dollar videos yeah and you're watching them you're like i get it you're taylor swift you can offset these costs because you'll get the hits which is then sort of pre-baked into the advertising on that site and yeah with the music video it's yeah the taylor swift it's she can offset all her costs and she can do all that because she's taylor swift and she's going to get the views or whatever but i'll still watch tons of music videos and I don't know. Yeah, the the Taylor ones, there's one or two that have been good. It's like, oh, wow, that's kind of interesting. But then every other one is like, all right. Yeah. Good job, I guess. And it's like, it's 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 a good job, but it's interesting. And this is probably why in like the 90s, the 80s, early aughts, they were sort of like innovative is because uh, commercials and videos have the same sort of um, draw to them. Mm-hmm. They are for... DPs and directors chances for I shouldn't say this, but chances for new toys to be yeah. um, played with and discovered uh, and tested and ideas. Yeah. So in the commercials, this is I know the budgets have shrunk uh, 
exponentially since the since the 90s but at least back then they're still big but at least back then you know they were just throwing money at these at the commercials so what the director and the dp would say oh well they got this new um let's just put spider webs everywhere they have like a spider web gun yeah. we can just shoot spider webs everywhere and we they have this new camera where we can you know you go up you know 90 feet in the air we could just soar down and you know the spider yeah. cam let's use the spider cam for this uh Palm Olive commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, why are we doing that? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I mean, come on. Don't you want your a product? New camera. You want your product to look great? Yeah. So they sell these things. And people who don't know at the uh, the agencies who don't know anything about, like, the fact that you don't really need to do that, they go, yes, we want this thing to look as good as possible. Of course, you want, you know, your client um the company to to be happy and to you know maximize their profits by yeah. getting a good product out there so they spend a lot of money mm-hmm. you know if even down to the pa you make more money on uh per day uh at a commercial than you would make on a movie on a tv show mm-hmm. on anything because it's coming from this big corporate budget yeah um and it's 30 seconds you yeah. know and i remember marshall saying that he spent nine, nine months on a thirty-second commercial. Yeah, you know, just going back and mixing, 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 reshoots. Yeah, and the videos are the same way because you have the artist who, you know, the company uh, label puts up the money first, but then they have to re, you know, they have to like reimburse the label. Yeah, but you know, you give it to the director and the DP. They're like, yeah, well, we need this. We need you want to do that? Yeah, well, they have this cool thing I can try. And then the artist like, yeah, I want this, you know, especially people like the rappers. They're like, yeah, I got to have the best. I got to have this. Yeah. I got to have that. I got to test these things out. And so they take advantage of that. That's when you have certain cool things happen in music videos. And again, short form. So you can do a lot because you're going to get a lot of time to yeah. finesse this, you know, three minute video or whatever. And now it's just become like you said, like you watch the Taylor Swift video, you can go. That's kind of what I thought it would be. Yeah. And it's like, hmm. Yeah. It's like, I don't really want to watch her perform. I want to watch, because it's a video, I want to watch something Interesting, yeah. Something interesting where I go, wow, that's an interesting concept. That's an interesting video. You can't tell me there aren't, like, enough creative people out. Maybe we should just run the whole uh, music video uh, department for the whole music industry. Right. That makes sense. That, that will solve everything. Well, it's a thing. It was like, remember that uh, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson scream? Yes. Which was the most expensive video the of Mark his time. The video, yeah, yeah. Which had interesting things in it, but wasn't that good of a video on a whole, other than you could hype it up. It's like, they're, they're singing together. Yeah. That was all it was about was that they made a music video together. Yeah. And it's like, okay. I mean, it had some, like I said, it had some really good things, and it got a lot of buzz. Like, oh yeah. my god, this is an amazing, this is one of the best videos of all time. And I was like, I don't know about that. Even for Michael Jackson, it was like obviously thriller. But yeah, it's like it wasn't the. It was it was good, but yeah, these two are singing together. Yeah, and then you realize these are brother and sister. Why is that a thing? Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> Why, why weren't they singing together? Yeah, it's like, why haven't you guys done an yeah. album together? I just feel like you guys missed opportunities yeah, more like, than anything wait else. Wait a minute. You, but it's like, not like, you know, wow, even though they're married now. But say they weren't married, like Beyonce and Jay-Z right. doing a song together. It's like, wow, they 
their schedules linked up and they got yeah. shit. It's like, your brother and sister. Yeah. Why didn't you, like, through the years do something? I feel like you should have been on either other album, yeah. a song here and there. Like, right? I mean, like, I get it at first because it's like Janet wanted to be separate from right. her family. Like, you always do. It's like, I want to prove that people aren't buying this album just because Michael's on one song. You know? Yeah. Like, I'll do it. But then after Control... They could have done... They, they could have. Even after Rhythm Nation. I was like, all right, you have two solid albums. People know you're a genuine star. How about that at that point? You and, like, know? and you're right. A genuine star. Like, she was yeah. really big. Like, on her own. On her own. So, to come together that late, that, that's kind of... Yeah. Especially when you're kind of like, meh. Kind of iffy on both of you right now. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're all good. And... and, and, and it seems to me Michael Jackson was definitely a guy who sought out talent. Yeah. Who was like, I want this person on my album, or I'll be on this person's album. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't that have been, like, one of the biggest stars of the time, his sister? Yeah. You know? And it could have been her going, no, I want to be my own thing. I want to do my own thing. Then I'd be like, do you hate money? Yeah. Why do you hate money? It's like, <laughs> this could be, this is a shrewd businessman, which he's always called. He should have been like, this is this would make so much money if her and I just you know it feels like they why didn't they co-do an album and tour together like that it just like people would have thrown like, money like at it them. would have been just hemorrhaging money I mean yeah. this is this is just oh wow yeah that's that's one of that was the big takeaway for me with screams like, why is it has this taken so long and then it's like man videos okay like I only remember it because it's a factoid now like yeah. oh this at the time this was the most expensive video and it's like you wish it was it lived up to the hype because like i get like when you like maybe at one point uh duran duran's wild boys was probably the most expensive video at the time yeah but if you watch it it looks expensive like it was one of those things that basically they recreated like mad max and it was a at the time i think it was like maybe a eight minute video that of course you know they condensed down for just the song but right. there was like a story before <clears throat> there was a story after it yeah some sort of middle story but that made sense because they basically look like they tried to make a feature which people weren't really doing at the time for a music video it's like no we're gonna tell a completely different story within the song scream was like hey we're on a spaceship yeah I mean, okay yeah awesome yeah, I saw Thriller. Thriller is great. Yeah, Thriller is great. And Thriller was also that kind of story too, where you yeah. had like you know the whole thing, and then you had the the, the video within the, yeah. the whole movie. Yeah, Scream. It was like, wow, this is great. And I saw it, and I was kind of like you. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I mean, there's some things about it that that's good, but I mean, I wouldn't because I mean, it was a seven million dollar video, and yeah. that was like crazy at that yeah. time i mean still today you sp- you shouldn't be spending seven million dollars on a video no uh if you're michael jackson okay y- you're if not you're- gonna lose even if you lose something you're not gonna lose a lot yeah and if you're joe uh one hit wonder spending seven i'm sorry it's just not if you're broke yeah you deserve to be yeah broke. Sorry. <laughs> exactly it's like come on really i mean with all the just speaking from a, a production standpoint with all the tools that we have today and all the ideas like it's a video it doesn't like it could be just a cool concept it doesn't yeah. have to be a cohesive this that sets here and as far as treatment of the video of everything color correction everything it does not have to be seven million dollars it doesn't no. have to be ten million dollars yeah you know um you know the ten million dollar taylor swift is probably her entourage all the people all the things that go into and that. she knows it's like with all the clicks she'll get 
like she'll make it up in single sales and you know the advertisement on youtube or vivo or whatever she's using and she's a different example because like no one out does her in, in right in views but like i said like just the average band it's like please don't do it it's like i'm saying if you're listening yeah, don't just don't do it. just don't do it unless you happen to have like oh we're friends with spike jones he wants to do our video then yeah well yeah someone's gonna watch that video if spike jones did your For video sure. just if not you guys all have iphones go find someone that's creative go find a uh, go to usc There'll be some film student who'll want to shoot your video. I mean, and he might have a good idea. And you're right, like the iPhone, just using the iPhone. I mean, yeah. that's kind of like still like wow, they're using iPhone to do this. Considering now, like, where's the video going? YouTube. Does it be 4K? No. <laughs> Does it be shot on film? Not really, unless it's a narrative reason to shoot on film. I would, I would, and, and I, I would not shoot on film. Right, unless it, like I, I said, unless not. you're doing um maybe some sort of Super 8 retro throwback you're doing a super eight then you yeah you'll have but even that you're not even gonna spend that much money no i mean i i can rent out my super eight camera and i maybe still have some film so because (laughs) and that might give it a cool look exactly it might not be that good right exactly (laughs) it's true (laughs) (laughs) didn't want to tell them that yeah it's true um yeah the video the music video the uh when our post is on a music video just that whole process well i know like when we used to uh, when we were doing cavemen uh we did a we went to a post house that did their bread and butter was music videos and commercials because like you said they would camp out five days doing a commercial oh nike's gonna be on that side of the building for the week for their two 10 second spots sure and you're like oh my god and it's like how much they spent all of it yeah and they literally just have a rotating staff and they go then our others music videos because they have to turn some of these around like a taylor swift one probably has to turn around really quick right and they'll come in four days or over the weekend and just work you know 15 hour days just to make sure every cut is perfect every effect is perfect for her and when you bring her in she's so she cannot have to tweak too much that kind of thing. right so i mean if you're like a just regular rock band yeah you want you to look good but you're not they're probably not going to scrutinize every frame you're on because your brand is taylor swift you know if you're foo fighters you can make fun videos yeah you can do something i'm sure you know dave girls on i don't know, i don't kind of look good in that shot That's he's true. probably like this looks awesome yeah i picture him coming in this is exactly what i wanted and then leaves was it you that it's going off on dave Grohl. was it you that saw dave Grohl at, uh, at starbucks uh i saw him at a farmer's market Farmers, but everyone sees him somewhere, and he's always like the nicest. Was he nice? I saw him, and he was with his daughter, and it's like, oh, I yeah. want to say yeah. something, yeah, but what, other than like, you're awesome. He didn't keep his head down. He, um, I think he had, uh, no, he didn't have a hat on, and I don't think he even had sunglasses on. So it was just like, oh, Dave Grohl, with his, I think it was wife and his daughter, walking a farmer's market, and it just. It looked actually. I was like, "Oh, good for him." Just, just no one. Dave I think. Grohl, yeah. I think a lot of people literally walked by, going, "Is that Dave Grohl?" Huh? And then just kept walking yeah. because it was kind of more baffling. Whereas, like, if it's a hat and glasses, you're like, "I think that might be Dave Grohl." I better keep staring. So maybe right, that's right. maybe that's sort of his thing, where it's like, "Look, I just don't look. I'm gonna show you I'm Dave Grohl." Oh, you're Dave Grohl. And you just walk right by. He just he's just he's amongst the people. No, I like that. And I think Ange has seen him a few other times, like getting into a car and, you know, like we're in Studio City. I think we've seen him in Studio City a couple times, yeah. actually. And 
just out amongst. I, no, I, I I love that. I think maybe he lives there because I think the other people who I've known who've seen him have uh, been in like Studio City. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And so. then one time I saw close to where I saw Dave Grohl. One time was uh, Henry Rollins. Uh huh. He you know he's big. He's buff. He's <clears throat> super intimidating. He was you know jaywalking across the street. Of course. Of course. With uh, he wouldn't be Henry Rollins if if he didn't. With a girl, I don't know, his wife or something. I was like, oh my God, there's Henry Rollins. Wow, he looks pretty intimidating. I'm a mild fan. I like his writing. I'm not a big fan of his yeah, yeah. music, and I like that one movie, but this was way before that movie. But And then he went into the Froyo shop. I can't picture. <laughs> it's like, it was just so weird. I was like, oh my God, look at him. He's breaking That's the lock, jaywalking. Froyo? Toyo to get your Froyo? <laughs> oh, come on. I was like, it was the least hardcore thing I think he's ever done. And he comes out, she wanted it. You know, yeah. okay, all right, all right. He just grabbed, he got a large one and threw it yeah. on the ground. <laughs> oh, screw you, I'm the man. It's like, exactly. why are you so mad? <laughs> exactly. He wakes up angry. <laughs> just look at me. Or he's like, what, I can't care about my figure? And he's just as a fro-yo. It's like, oh, true, I guess. Why not? Why can't you uh, be concerned about your uh, your figure? But, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, It's funny when you see certain people. Like him, I was like, I had no desire. I think you're awesome. But Dave Grohl, you kind of want to, but... Yeah. I don't know. It's like most people, the last person I think I actually walked up to was um, Colin Hanks. Really? Where was he? He was at Amoeba because he loves music. Uh-huh. And we, Ange and I had. He seems like that guy who would just go. Yeah. Like, I'm just go record shopping. Yeah. And it's weird. The only reason I went up to him is because we had just saw the uh, Eagles of Death Metal documentary he did about the Paris shooting. So we had, we had seen it maybe even the night before. I walked over. It was just lunch. I walked over to Amiibo looking at records, and he yeah. comes in looking all like Colin. It looks just like Colin Hanks. Yeah. It's weird, though. There's a, sub, a couple moments where it's like, oh, my God, you look just like your dad. Then yeah. other moments, he looks like him and taller than I thought. He's like 6'1 yeah, or something, yeah. which I don't know why I would think he was short, but he just doesn't seem tall. Yeah. I don't know. I just went up to him. It's like, look, I don't want to bother you, but I just want to say I just saw the Eagles death metal thing. It was great. He's like, oh, thank you so much. It was such a great experience, and thank you. And I was like, have a good day. And I don't know if you wanted to talk more I'm shutting may, it down. He may have wanted to. Um, but it was just sort of like sometimes I feel like if I have something nice to say, oh, I mean, I would never go up, oh, that movie sucked later, you know. I, I just rarely do it because I see so many people generally. I, and it's like, way, yeah. I just feel like I have to have a reason why I would want to talk to that person other than you're awesome. All right. And they probably already know that. Yeah. That's who they are. They know they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, like you and I, we, we see people all the time and uh, if we're out, you know, in the world, and you see a celebrity, you just don't necessarily go up to. I'm not gonna do that. You know, um, right. I think I remember uh, it was like a couple months ago. My aunt was in town, and like, there's a it's around here. There's there's the Rouse on. Uh, oh, rock and roll Rouse. Rock and roll Rouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's always celebrities in there. Yeah. If they're not celebrities, there's always beautiful people in there. Yeah. For some reason, right by the studio. I go in there with my aunt because I know it's like it was late and it was like I know it's twenty four hours. So I go in there and I just had a feeling I might see somebody and I was like, oh, like so there was like tall guy in the line, mm-hmm. you know. And it was like I was like, oh my god, that's Lamar Odom. And we go right up behind him, you know, in line. And my aunt turns around and because uh, we we happen to be talking about NBA players. Okay, and. Uh, one of her daughters has dated, you know, an NBA oh, okay. player. So we had been having that conversation. Lamar's in line, and she's like, like he's like seven feet tall. Yeah. So <laughs> she she turns around and goes, now if we were in 
uh, Indiana, people were like, oh, wow, does he play basketball? Does he play basketball? And I was like trying to keep it down. Yeah. Well, well, actually, he is a basketball player. Yeah. An NBA player. And I say that just because we were talking about NBA players. And she's like, really? <laughs> kind of loud. Really? Mm. Who? And I'm like, I'll tell you how it's you know, and I can, I know he heard me. Yeah, and so Lamar <laughs> turns around and he goes, "Excuse me." He gets out of the line and goes into another line. Oh, because he doesn't. I get it, he doesn't want to be bothered. Right. Like he like we weren't talking to him, but he yeah. probably said, "Okay, here we go." Yeah, get it. He doesn't want to be bothered. He's been through the whole thing, whatever. Um, so he goes through the line. We get out basically at the same time, and as soon as we get out of the Ralphs, there's a guy with a camera and oh. a light and I go, Whoa, what's going on here? And you know, suddenly I hear, What's up, Lamar? As he, you know, the guy comes out and Lamar starts talking to him as he's like walking home or oh. whatever. I was like, Wow, poor guy. Like he can't I'm like what when did that happen? like how did they know I mean I know they this their job to know yeah. but it's like I guess you camp out at his house and if he goes to the grocery store you just do that. Or maybe you have people that Lamar's at, you know, the Ralphs, you know, get there and, and get them. And, and they probably because they know it's the rock and roll Ralphs is that maybe there's even employees there that like text TMZ yeah. or something. Hey, Lamar owns here at uh, Ralphs. Yeah. You know, it's crazy because it's like, really? You yeah. Know, just thinking about like that whole thing of a celebrity, you can't really go anywhere without someone, you know, shoving a camera in your face. Yeah. You know, it's like it's it's crazy. You know, and I know we go, oh, boohoo, celebrity or whatever. Yeah. But you think about, like, your, your freedom and, like, the fact that you can just go wherever you want to go without that. Yeah. And, you know, after a while, you're like, oh, man, I just want to kind of go to the Starbucks. I don't want to yeah. go to the grocery store. I kind of want to do all this. And you can't. And that's part of the reason why I don't go up to people because it's like, you know what, let them, yeah. let them have their whatever, you know. Well, and that's why most time it's like, I don't even know who it would be, but that's why it's like I'll never – I don't really ask for a photo or an autograph. Oh. It's like I said with Colin Hanks. Like that thing, it's like, look, I don't want to bother you, but I really liked your movie. Because, you know, I think a filmmaker would probably want to hear, even though he's more an actor than a you know a filmmaker, but it's like, or, I mean, he's both, but primary people probably know him as an actor. But look, I really enjoyed your film, and I'm sure that's what he wants to hear. You know, it's like, oh, someone liked my totally. film. And I'm sure if you're an actor, it's like, oh, I love you in that show, but I don't watch that show he's on. So it's like, oh, I like that. So if I go up to someone's like, look, I won't bother you. I just want to say, you know, I love this one thing. If I feel inclined to go up to someone, you know, and and it's funny that you said that because it's uh, when we moved to Washington briefly, it was a thing of there. It was like, hey, that looks like so and so. It's like, oh, it's probably not because we're in Washington. <laughs> exactly. Where it's like there it was like yeah. anytime you thought you saw someone, it was just someone that looked like them. Here, it's most likely that. Per- hey, that looks like Lamar. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, exactly. And yeah. I was like, is that? Is, oh, wow. That's yeah. That's wow. That's Lamar Odom yeah. right here. Um. Yeah, it's the same Ralphs I saw. Uh, again, it was like, no, that's probably. Oh yeah, it's him. It was a uh, Sandra Bullock movie. Uh, I think she won the Academy Award. Oh, the uh, uh, Blind Side. Blind Side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the the Blind Side guy. Oh, okay. Like he was in there. Mr. Blind Side. <laughs> yeah. He's like, <laughs> like I don't know your name. You're Blind Side, right? Blind Side. <laughs> I was like, wow. And he was buying groceries. Yeah. And uh, I was like. I like kind of recognize this guy. What do I know him from? 
oh, it's the blind side guy. And you go, <laughs> I mean, how, yeah, it's pro- it's him. Yeah. Like, like, why wouldn't it be yeah. him? Like, it's not like, yeah, there are times like, hey, that person looks like so-and-so. But generally, it's like, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, I think uh, years ago we saw, like, we were at a gelato place and Rick Fox was there. Yeah. Just getting gelato. It's like, well, why wouldn't he? Yeah. He's a regular person. Why, yeah, exactly. Why is he not allowed it's to have like, gelato? Wow, they like actually get stuff amongst of you know. Well, and but, I think the weirdest was like it's one thing. It was like he was actually sitting there, looking at his phone, eating gelato. It's like, oh, you're you're planting. Yeah. Like usually, like you're I not like, like in and out. Like I don't want to be. I yeah. just don't. I look. I like this gelato place. Yeah. I'm just gonna get my gelato yeah, and leave. And he was just like there, just like yeah. It's fun to always see the major side, like a Lamar Odin or something. I always like seeing those 80s people and just seeing, I think at Aroma, Molly Ringwald three times. Really? And it's like, oh my God, I want to see Molly Ringwald. To me, it's so exciting to see some of those people where now it's like, oh, you know, Mandy Moore. Well, actually, I've worked with Mandy Moore, so she's really nice. If it was like Mandy Moore, oh my God, she's on This Is Us, this big hit show. Meh. I didn't grow up with Mandy Moore. No, 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 <laughs> definitely. Like, if, so I was watching last night, I was watching Breakfast Club. So, like, just... I was imagining Molly Ringwald's like, oh, wow, look how different she looks than she looks yeah. now. Because she's, now she's on the uh, Fosters? Uh, R- Riverdale. Oh, Riverdale. R- R- right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she may be on the, I don't know, the Fosters. But I know Riverdale, I saw I was like, oh, that is that is Molly Ringwald. She yeah. looks different. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's her. But still, like, if I saw her, I'd be like, oh, wow, like, this is actually her in the, yeah. in the flesh. Like, a, an icon, like you said, from when... Well, we were growing like up impressionable uh, youths yeah, yeah, as yeah. we were sure. yeah and it's so funny um oddly enough i was watching 16 candles last night oh <laughs> there was this moment i guess Chinese. i just never noticed it it was really funny after the big party jake finds the geek or ted or whatever under the glass table yeah so he gets them up and they start talking about molly ringwall's character and there was just this funny moment of them and i don't know i don't know it's probably john hughes written or just when him on set although he didn't direct 16 candles right that was howie deutsch because he did breakfast club he did breakfast club 16 oh. candles i i don't know well there's a scene where so he's in the kitchen it's jake and ted and ted's like making like some sort of martini like he's just shaking something but it doesn't look like he knows what he's making <laughs> he pours pours two glasses puts olives into it hands it to jake jake puts it to the side and it was funny and then ted's talking he grabs a napkin hands it to jake jake just kind of throws it's like it's this thing of like Ted just keeps doing stuff, just like I'm just trying to talk, and he's like, "Quit handing me shit!" Like, <laughs> like he just felt like he had to keep handing him stuff. Like then he's like, "Hands him nuts to eat." It's like, what is it? It's like the scene itself. It wasn't like him making a drink. None of that was just like these small like things he would do as the character, right. which I thought was just really. I don't. Know, I think I just watched him going. Wait, now rewind. I was like, all this funny stuff was happening, and I had no idea because I was always focused on what they were saying. But right. it's like. He's just trying to be cool. He's making drinks and just throwing all this stuff. And it's like, what is happening? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I say it like, it's sort of business, you know, mm-hmm. he's doing that business. It's like, yeah, I'm focused on this, but yeah, this other stuff is going on. That's just kind of how it was it, rarely seen today. I think, you know, you do see that, but it's like, it's not just about like one thing uh, back then. It was like one thing, this, this is going on. So like, you felt it. Like, you felt all that stuff happening, but you weren't necessarily focused on it. Well, so yeah, because he like... would be doing something. Yeah. Like, if they were just having a conversation, that scene would still play the same. But the fact that it's almost more of nervous. He's talking to the senior, Jake Ryan, the, the senior, but he's just, like, trying to be cool, but without it being a joke. Right. Like, now it would be, oh, he's trying to be cool. Oh, now cool. it would be, like, it like know, a... playing it up. And... Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
and and they never really moved from one angle they literally set the camera down one angle of them talking i think then eventually you start going into close-ups a little bit so it wasn't trying to focus on his hands or anything it was just like this perfectly framed one i actually said looked like it was more set for four by three but you know yeah that's how they filmed almost then him just doing some little stuff and i don't know why it was like i think because i was also working when i had 16 candles on so i was just going through emails and i was like oh this scene what's going on yeah like i think because i came up through a dialogue part I was like what is happening and i don't know, i think i've just been going through i don't know for some reason they've been on a lot is like a lot of 80s teen films like fast times and all this stuff yeah. and it was just sort of like what was going on kids were so adult you know and i was also yeah, too yeah. i think uh, weird science was on and I, just i think we were talking about it last week not on the pod that was like this had a full bar at yeah. this teen party what just a full just bar there like it. <laughs> ever since ever since we had that conversation, I've been looking at these movies and go, and like trying to spot these moments where yeah. it's like, wait a minute, what? A full bar? What's what's really happening? You're, you're in high school, right? Because yeah. this whole premise is that you're in high school. I know. It's just like the the sort of adult things that. You know, granted, there's an adult writing it, and right. you kind of want the kids to say something, but like in Breakfast Club, how adult certain adult actions that those kids had, like mm. they were sort of archetypes of you know high schoolers at the time mm-hmm. but you know they really sort of solved a lot within 90 minutes yeah you know it was like for these misfits to like come together and do what they did was actually pretty incredible and it and i know that that was part of it to sort of speak to the generation to say look you guys matter you mm-hmm. know that's kind of what it what it meant and the fact that this sort of goes on throughout time like yeah. every generation is a, they're rebelling this is this is the time where you do that yet we're gonna be okay right um you know there, there's some parts where you go hmm i don't know if i was like that in high yeah. school if i would have that sort of knowledge you know and maturity you know to your point about the bar you know it's just like yeah really like i it, today like if your friend like went somewhere and like had a full bar somewhere yeah. you're like whoa you guys got a full bar what the hell you yeah, know what do you guys why do you have a full bar yeah, exactly <laughs> what's really going on here yeah and i think that's what's so funny it was like and then everyone just drank casually i vaguely remember high school enough where i knew a couple kids would have a beer here and there but again it's movies it's not real but it's like these teens it's like oh no i'm just drinking a martini no you're not yeah there's no way you're it's like yeah so yeah it's like this is how i like my martinis no you don't have a preference yet right you know and just everyone's just just casually just drinking like it's that's what we do. I'm 15. Yeah. It's like, wouldn't it be, you know, and, you know, Hughes is like, wouldn't it be cool if that, or when I was in high school, I had like a penchant for martinis. Yeah. I'll, I'll write that in there, you know, yeah, and, and then, you can do that. Yeah. And be. you do. And you, you would explain, he would explain. It's like, why are you drinking that? Like they would explain why yeah. that person, but this was just, no, high schoolers drinking martinis and beer and whiskey. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's also the thing in weird science is that she takes him like we mentioned, she's supposed to be 23, he's 15, goes to a club, and he's just drinking at a club. And it's like, we're okay with this? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's such a bizarre – I don't know. I think it's like because everyone's super hypersensitive about all this stuff. And oddly, when I found – because I was going to send you that clip from 16 Candles because someone had just that clip up. And just yeah. all the current <clears throat> comments on it were just like – it's how, like, how can you – Yeah, how dare you? And then there was one. It's like, oh, they're advocating rape. And I'm like – whoa and then there was like you could tell the people my age were coming it's like look this movie is from 
1986, I think. And they go, it was just how things were written. And once again, no one was raping anyone. Right. It was just sort of like, I think there's a line where he's like, oh, it's about Andy. And, um, and I might even mix in Andy might actually be from Pretty in Pink. <laughs> Molly Ringwald's in all of them. So it's totally. one of their all the same. He's because uh, Ted's like, look, I just don't want you to like go out with her just to get her or something. He's like, I don't need to get anyone. It's like Carolyn's passed out upstairs. I could violate her right now. You know, one of those things where it's like it's such a throwaway line. There were like a hundred comments. And it's like I'm never watching this movie. It advocates rape. It's like, yes, that is a bad line. And you can pick a lot of movies that from 80s, 90s, 2000s. Like, ooh, that's, yeah. a, that's a little weird to watch now. At the time, it was funny, right? But there were so many people. I was like, I thought all of a sudden it was like, we need to get John Hughes fired. It's like, you know, John Hughes dead. Like, you know, right. like this thing of like people just watching this one scene. Right. And also, too, it was weird. It's like, why would you watch this one scene if you have no idea in what con- – it'd be one thing if there's a lot of comments going, this scene plays a lot different in 2015 than it did in 86. Yeah. Like, exactly. why are you- and then why do you feel like, oh, I had a comment on this? Well, it always <clears> – <throat> what I love about uh, uh, YouTube – is not always, but about a hundred percent of the time. I don't care how obscure the video is. Cause sometimes I watch some obscure techie stuff, and I just I scroll down to the comments and I just wait for it to load. And I'm like, I bet you there are gonna be comments on this thing that got three views. And there's right. like comments, and I'm yeah. like, that just means that it's always comments, and that that just means that every time people watch something. Like invariably, there are people who are like, "I gotta say something." Like, yeah, I gotta comment. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Which is, which is great. I yeah. think because it's like, oh wow, we get to see comments and people are taking time to do yeah. that in the age where you think people don't have time to do anything. Yeah. Well, binge watching. They just comment on things and like. Now I was thinking about the Breakfast Club last night too. It's like so many things would never play. Yeah, like him writing that stuff on his a locker like yeah, yeah. right in the you know i'll say fag like yeah, on yeah. his locker and it's like wow that would never that would be a whole different thing you know and i'm not smoking weed but like some of the stuff is just like the way the the is it principal or assistant principal the principal yeah, yeah. was just sort of treating them and, yeah you know oh it's just treating them so poorly and she can't do this and he's uh mentally abusing these kids yeah and, you know that kind of thing and it's i didn't really see it like that back then i don't really see it like that now but yeah. i can see where people would be like oh my god this movie is crazy and maybe that's why maybe you should do a study or maybe someone has like why we get the movies we get now because we all think oh wow the teen movies or whatever today most of them aren't like as good as those yeah. in this. Say the I call the sweet spot, which is the eighties. Yeah, um, they're just not, and, and part of it is just the quality of writing, quality of yeah. performances, and all that. Because you had some amazing actors back then too. Um, now you have like maybe one or two maybe good, but yeah. like then you it fills it out with like you know pop stars or something yeah. else. I don't know. I just think that now it's like. You sort of have to make it to where uh, it's, I don't want to say PC, but like it, it just won't offend people. Yeah. And it becomes goofy. It becomes like, like you said, the whole scene that you're talking about yeah. is playing up the whole thing. And yeah. like and it's just like, oh, okay, well, it's just not really what I was. It doesn't play, doesn't ring true. Yeah. You know, like you said, it sort of played into the whole 
fact that he's a little nervous about about something. Yeah. And it was just something to illustrate that, you know. Even the introduction of uh, the characters in Breakfast Club, it's like perfect. Like it's it's yeah. back to that film school, like sort of nonverbal thing. Like certain things happen where before they get into school and the relationships with their parents in the cars, mm-hmm. you know who they are, you know. The cars that come up. Yeah. The one line from the parent. You know each person's situation in the first two minutes of that yeah. movie. It's like Judd Nelson. Everyone else drives up. Judd Nelson walks. And as he's walking up, he Ali Sheedy's Cadillac comes in and he walks right in front of it. And it's like, yeah, what? And yeah. the Cadillac has to stop to not to hit him. And he's just like walking. Right. And then she gets out. You can tell nothing was said like yeah because she like leans down she she leans down and then the thing drives off yeah you know it's just it's brilliant in that it's like that's all you need you don't need like i know like i know who these people are right right away and i know how they where they come from right and so we go in and it's just brilliant how like the cast is like you know seven people and it's done in that seemingly once i know they used a couple high schools but seemingly one space ever since i saw it like as a kid i thought wow i'm really affected by this this is really good i didn't know that the writing was all that good because i didn't think about that but it's just well written well done really well directed yeah and just shows what you can do in like a like a little space like that yeah it's amazing if it was a series that would be his locked in the freezer one it's like, look, guys, we got to save some money. Yeah. All your movies cost – none of John Hughes' movies cost money. But it's yeah. like, uh, what if they're just in one room? Great. That was like his bottle episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's awesome. It's oh so well done. And even now, like, I know there's, like, a lot of those things where it's like if you grow up with a movie, it's always going to resonate a yeah. little more. But if, even if you watch it fresh eyes a little bit – because, like, sometimes, like, I, last time I watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I was just sort of like, this movie's a lot darker than I remember. Super fun. Yeah. But – the teenage girl's having sex with a 26-year-old, which is just okay. And then there's stuff about an abortion. And then, like, mm-hmm. there's all this stuff. It's like, this movie's really dark and heavy. For this movie in my head when I saw it younger was about this just high school Absolutely. rock. And it was dealing with some deep shit. Like, with Breakfast Club, I think it, sh- it just resonates because it still works now. Yeah. Like, yeah, it maybe there's not the exact same type of people, but there's still the exact same div- uh, division. Yeah. within school so it's like you can just watch that and just replace certain people no, you totally. know and it's like that's why i think it just works yeah just kids talking totally and like you know it's these, these architects you could you can identify with the jock the the privileged pretty girl the yeah. nerd the outcast the you know uh criminal yeah or whatever it's just now i have to say the performances and the writing is oh yeah top top notch yeah but it's like and directing and it's just yeah i think it just stands at the test of time because everybody the reason why it's one of my favorite if not my favorite genres is to sort of hold a teen high school uh drama is that we've all been i think we've all been through high school for the most part everyone's been to school yeah. so everyone can relate can to relate and that's why i think it it plays so well that's why i think uh greatest podcast of all time is Mm -hmm. serial the first season is because it took place in high school and it was all these high school things and that's what drew people to it you know um that's what drew me to it because i was like not only did it take from maryland 
come from Maryland. I'm from Maryland, but like the whole high school, and I went to high school in Maryland. The whole high school thing sort of sort of rung true mm-hmm. for me, um, but for a lot of other people too, because it's like, oh yeah, that's so high school. Yeah, you know, I did that in high school. Yeah, I was that person in high school, or because it was like it's really sort of fleshed out the whole high school thing uh, as a backdrop. Yeah, and so I think that that's why these high school things work really well that's why like you respond to them today and i respond to them today because you're like been there yeah totally get it you know and then even like some that i've watched current high school ones it's like i can relate to the ideas but yes there's some that are done well and then there are still some that are just like i i know why you made this film it's boobs you know it's like i get it you just wanted to make a boob film i get it but it's like now it's like i think i'm fascinated with some of them now because the what people have to go through to school in the social media age right so but i've yet to find one that resonates well where it's like oh so this is what it must be like even though i don't i can't identify i can identify with school i can't identify what they're going through because of the social media aspect of it but i'm hoping that one day someone can make one where it's like oh even though i'm not them I still get the experience, you know? I mean, they've done, I've seen bits and pieces of some where it's like, oh, that's kind of an interesting thing, and then it's never back at the school again, or it has something to do with something else, you know? Yeah. So it, I think it's just harder now because school's so different now. I mean, school, that the core is still going to be the same. They're still going to be the same divisions, but the social media aspect has played such a big role into everything. Blowing it wide open, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I mean, you're right, and I think that a lot of times the films that we're talking about resonate with the filmmakers making who didn't necessarily grow up with uh, a 16 candles or right uh, Ferris Bueller's or breakfast club or any other John Hughes fair yeah they are trying still to make because it it but those films do resonate because yeah. it's universal they're still trying to make those films so the films that you see today they're, they're trying to because it's probably like the studio going hey i want breakfast club yeah in 2017 yeah or i want 16 candles today i want weird science today and you would have to definitely take into account we're in a, a totally different time yeah you know uh like we were talking about the whole things that won't fly today yeah um and the social media aspect is crazy you know uh, maybe some of these kids today just didn't grow up in a time where there wasn't some uh blitz of social media in their lives they didn't know anything else so it's like way different you know the way you could talk to your friends anytime you know you could text in class you could deal you know it's like it's crazy you know um however you still gotta talk to the girl you still gotta try to get to college you still have to rebel you still yeah. have to find a way to find your you're starting to find your way in the world you know your independence you're starting to drift i was hiking the other day and i saw this family and there was like his mom the dad the kid brother and the teenage daughter mm-hmm. and the mom the dad and the kid brother were like ahead by like 15 feet Uh and the teenage daughter was walking behind the whole time and you knew just from that body language yeah you knew she was beginning to break away yeah you know if this were me directing a movie or something people are ham-handed look at you 
trying to distance her from yeah. just the show. No, but this is yeah real life, and you could tell like she was like, you know what, I used to be my brother and I used to be with my mom and dad, but now mm. I'm gaining my independence. So she was like always gonna be 15 feet right. away from from them because she was starting that and that whole that's what this whole thing is about is like starting to feel yourself and start yeah. to say oh i'm i'm in my own person now like i'm gonna go off with my friends or go off with this and try to explore new things i'm done with that and what that whole awkward state you know of yeah. being is and i think that that's what john hughes wanted to capture and that's what he was capturing and i think that that's what people are trying to capture today but today i think maybe you have to have so many different things in it that like it becomes diluted and it's like you don't get that feeling of yeah oh wow like breakfast club very intimate like we got very intimate with these kids yeah and you got to see what made them tick you know today eh, you know without a joke every 20 right. seconds and you know, some sort of like a goofy, you know, set piece. It's like, no, oh, it doesn't work, you know, because people's well, attention span won't be. And he didn't like play the parents as the bad guys, even if they were the bad guys. Like you think of like, um, well, Breakfast Club, they introduced parents for one second, but those are kids in a going to, you know, detention. So obviously the parents, yeah. but none of them were like bad people. Even 16 Candles, there's a great moment with the parents and some kind of wonderful the dad just wants him to go to college and that's a thing but he's never a bad parent like there might be bad parenting maybe through the pov of like the kids but he never played that like never played like the terrible parent or he never over stereotyped anyone yeah well the reason that dad's this way is for this and that's why this will work for a struggle you know right. like the the reason why the dad's mad at the kid is because the kid took all the money out that was supposed to go to college because he wants him to be the only kid to go to college in the family. So, I mean, there's a lot of, like, these moments, but yeah. no one ever plays. Like, now the parent would be the bad guy. It's like, oh, you're throwing a party? I'm the bad guy. You know, like you said, and there would be a joke and this. And, you know, there's – I like, I don't mind having jokes. I like funny stuff. But it's like I don't need yeah. one every second. Right. Yeah, and it's like the dad now is is the, the, the one-dimensional villain. You yeah. Know? And it's like – which – works in cartoons for me but like for like an actual you know movie or like tv show it's like well you know and all these things about a lot of these things about kids as i think as the years went by the parents used to be like in the background sort of an adversary yeah one dimensional yeah they want nothing but to keep the kids down and tell them they can't do this and they can't do that and it's like well, yeah, and maybe that's through the lens of a, a child. You, yeah. you think that, oh, this, my parents just don't want me to do this. But it's, it was ultimately more interesting, and it doesn't have to overload the movie with it, but yeah. just to say, oh, this is his motivation for being this. This yeah. is the principal's motivation for being a dick to yeah. these kids because he has his own demons. Right. You know? He's got his own thing that he's trying to fight. You know, and when he has that like sort of conversation with the janitor, it's like, come on, dude, you were the same way. It's like, yeah. this is where we ended up. This is why you're here. But yeah. you realize this is not uh, what you really wanted, but you know, you thought and it was going to be something else. Them a yeah. little bit. So it's exactly. like the thing of you can have the principal be the dick, but he also put, by having that conversation, put a human aspect on it. It's like, it's the job you're at, you yeah. know? And it's like, oh, it's so good. Those are things that you catch much later. 
at right. the time, it, oh, I don't want this conversation. I want to get back to the kids. No, no, no of course. Yeah. But then you have it and you're like, oh, that's why I never really hated the principal. Yeah. I didn't know that. Right. Because they put that in there and subconsciously it made him human. You know, that's, I think that's why John Hughes worked at that level. Right. Like, I think I mentioned before, like, so far the closest things, not to John Hughes, per- well, except Spider-Man Homecoming, which we talked about last you, week. Right, was, I was, was really say that, close. Yes, that definitely. Um, was me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Mm-hmm. It, once again, not John Hughes, it, it was cared for in a John Hughes way where the kids were high school kids dealing with high school problems, and then there was the introduction of the, the girl that has cancer, but the parents were human. Like, everyone was human, and right. I think that's what made that movie, well, one, it was written and directed and looks fucking gorgeous, and they yeah. just did a great job, but they treated everyone with respect, and no one was the stereotypical version of any of those people. Right. Like, him, him being the film nerd wasn't the uber film nerd. You know, it was just like... I think that's what it was. I, that movie just resonated because it's like, oh, this is the closest. like John Hughes because he treats them like humans, you know, as opposed yeah. to some screwball comedy because, you know, the studio's like, these teen things work. I want boobs and make right. them run around. Make sure the nerd has – make sure there's the fat friend, the nerd with the broken glasses, and the cool jock. Right, exactly. Go. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. <laughs> that's kind of how it is. That's how it's a recipe for success. Yeah. You know? Byron Now, um, you just – he he was you know we talk about John Hughes and it wasn't just John Hughes I mean look at uh Bob Gale and Bob yeah. Zemeckis you yeah. know uh, with that little known movie uh, uh Back to the Future yeah. it's hard to remember that movie yeah uh, but some sort of time traveling something right mm. something Disney Winnebago or something what's that <laughs> they were in a Winnebago I exactly. think <laughs> Disney turned down Back to the Future because of the mom uh, the fact that he was his mom was had the hots for him and they thought that that would be too salacious and yeah. it's like yeah that's a little weird for us like it, that would not play yeah you know so we're gonna have to pass on that you know and it's a theme but it makes sense kind of because if you break down she's a try i mean he's a good looking kid but it's also a product of her husband so she ends up finding george attractive so she finds him attractive in the way where it's like it's because it's a product of her, who she probably yeah. finds herself attractive, and her future husband. So right. she's attracted to someone that she's attracted to, you know? Yeah. I just remember, like, Zemeckis going, it was the Q&A. He's like, I, I can't, that's what they pull out of it? He's like, I just never even, because I wasn't, we weren't even thinking about that no. when we saw the movie. It was like, no. it's not about. It was more of like a funny moment. It's like, yeah. oh, how hilarious. The mom's attracted yeah. to the son. She doesn't know, you know. Yeah, like she's some new kid, cool kid comes yeah. through. She doesn't know. Yeah. And it's like, but he's like, no, I can't. This is, you're my mom. This is, no, this is bad. This is, yeah. like, he's not going, oh, okay, well, maybe, you know. Yeah, yeah. No. She looks hot yeah. now, you know. It's like, no, he's like. That's a movie I want to see. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, this movie turned like, really oh, this weird. <laughs> it just went somewhere yeah. I didn't want yeah, so it's like that whole interview between them was great because it was like he's like I can't no this is no this is terrible yeah um and it was like a funny like you said like a funny uh, consequence of the whole situation yeah to I don't know if today it'd be like oh can you have that you know is guy kissing but we're totally him. fine with the Biff possibly going to be raping her right like no that's exactly like, yeah oh no we're okay with we're that, fine but... in the car where he's just gonna <laughs> do it. 
<laughs> I'm going to do whatever I want. No, no, we're okay with this part of the script. Solid. Fine with Good that. Good story, yeah. you know, because he's the bad guy. It's fine. But, but the whole thing with the uh, mom. Yeah, it's... But but that... You talk about humanizing George, uh, Lorraine. Yeah. You know, uh, the parents. You had... Uh, obviously, uh, you humanize them because we go back in time and learn about them and stuff like yeah. that. But at the same time, like, you knew that they had you know they had like traits that you know uh were they had flaws you yeah. know and and marty mcfly like he had flaws and he yeah. had these these things doc brown like he didn't have any friends but this doc brown guy yeah. you know and it was like great actor great cast but it was like it really another high school thing it just really sort of sold that to you yeah in a very human way very fun it was okay. a very fun movie but it was like it still humanized things to where like tear up at some of these things yeah and i think in order to 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 get those emotions out i think is uh for me it makes it a fuller experience when it's just like joke after joke and like you said i don't mind jokes i want yeah. jokes but like when Everything is joking. There's just no like uh, weight to these characters, and it's just they're just sort of just making jokes. And it's like, all right, well, that 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 sort of happened. But I don't feel like I don't really feel like I don't care when these kids go to school. I really don't feel like kids go to school like that. Like, right? They just joke and joke, and there's just no consequences to anything. Uh, the establishment, the parents, or whatever are you know, uh, adversarial in nature and just for the sake of being adversarial. Yeah. And it's just like, um, you know, they just don't want me to succeed. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and do what I want and I should be able to do what I want. You know? Yeah. And at the end, maybe you just throw in a, a, a tender moment between them and the kid and you're like, well, where did this come from? Like, I don't, yeah. I thought you wanted the kid to, you know, because yeah, now it seems like you like him because he did the good thing. So yeah. it's like, where's this out of, you know? It's just, yeah, so they don't earn it. And it's just like, uh, you know, I don't think it's that hard to do a really good teen movie because these things are universal. These things happen every single day. Yeah. And if you just humanize these these kids, you know, this is not a born movie. This is not something where you got to go think up these grand things. This is something that teen we've born. all... All right, get Byron okay. on the phone. <laughs> I think we need to. We got to. We got to call him. Look, we'll put a fat kid in it. A yeah. guy with broken glasses. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's just like the rest of everything. <laughs> it's like a hat. Rob, you just have a hat. Team kid. Uh, that, that, that that that. Okay, success. Uh, sassy gay friend. Done. <laughs> we, we're done. Genius. <laughs> I gotta go put some cowboys in back to you. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go put some cowboys in. <laughs> I just wish John Hughes was around in general, but yeah. it, it's like. Do you think, because sometimes, like, we, you can overanalyze anything where it's like, you read books like Orson Welles. Yeah. What he did with Citizen Kane was revolutionary for Citizen Kane. But a Absolutely. lot of it, but a lot of came out of it as more of, I rehearsed the scene all day just to piss off the people. And then I shot it, uh, like the, the studio people, because right. they were already displeased with him. So he goes, they sat there and wanted me to film. I just rehearsed, rehearsed, <laughs> shot it in one take, and we were done for the day, and it pissed them off. But it's like, wow, you did it out of anger but then you watch that one scene and you're like that's a good scene but it was like he made that scene out of anger more than the love for that character so it's like this john hughes thing it's like we talk about it a lot it's like i wonder if it's like no i just didn't need the uh, the parents so i just wrote them like regular parents i just didn't need them although like in 16 candles there are human moments with the parents but sometimes i wonder if we overthink it to the point where it's like if you were to talk to john hughes going oh yeah that's cool i just 
the parent thing was just last minute. I just, it was more about this one thing. And it's like, oh, but we thought you took care about the parent. Oh, yeah, they're important, but, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. It, it, but it also shows in the writing, though. So, obviously, he did care yeah. about it. But I wonder if he would think, oh, no, I I wrote all my characters sort of the same. Like, I didn't need the parent to be bad or something. So Yeah, I, I just think that he was more of a thoughtful. By the way, Orson Welles did Citizen Kane at 25. I yeah, I don't like that. to think about that. That was, oh, wow. Um, yeah, and he, start in it. Yeah, he started in it was but looked like an old look like an old man. I don't know how. I have no idea how. Who is he? Um, yeah, John Hughes definitely cared about like all of that, and he cared about the when he wrote the team movies. Like he wanted to make sure that they were represented in a way that they mattered and that they had a voice. I'm pretty sure he cared about all of these, but like he writes a lot of these things like in a couple days. So. that's why I think that's what it is. It's like the reason why I was thinking about it now because it's like you know it's like he wrote Weird Science over the weekend. Yeah, the movie's great. Like, were there revisions? Was that your first draft? Like, <sighs> what dra- and, it, and especially like weird like Breakfast Club. I get like it's like I wrote that over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just kids talking, and you could probably once you cast, you can then rework dialogue and stuff. Weird Science had a lot of moving parts to it. it I mean, for the most part, it is a you know it's about two kids create a girl and and then them dealing with the high school like but still it's like that's a, that you wrote that on the weekend i know i know i still can't i so do we believe him i, I, I don't know it's just it's crazy and yeah. that's kind of what i think he did first Bueller that way too it's just like even if it was like it's not even mad that it was the two day had he lied and went it wasn't the weekend it was a week still you wrote no, that no, in a no, week no, absolutely <laughs> still it's just like everybody all the good writers would tell you that first draft that you and i'm not i'm just not saying he didn't do revisions but that first draft you're gonna do is gonna be terrible yeah it's gonna be a, probably the most awful thing you've ever written but you got to get that first draft out to get to that yeah it's like yeah. i know i want them to make a girl and have this thing so he writes a draft and it's like no this is how they'll make the girl now. Yeah. And this is like, he drafted, it's like, was that just already in his head? Like what he's thinking about? It's like, no, oh, I got this. But he talks about, yeah, I wrote the revisions and everything in a weekend. And it's like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. I wrote it on the weekend. We shot Tuesday. I was Tyler Perry of my time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I can imagine that. Cause I, I've done this challenge. Um, I may do it again. Uh, it's a short, short script challenge where, you know, you get, you get your directives, like, a Friday night at midnight. And oh, then, I remember you. Yeah, you did this a year or so, two years ago, last two year, or three years ago. Yeah, and so it was like basically forty-eight hours to write like a five-page script, but you don't know what you're writing about until like, you know, uh, minute one. And yeah. it's like it took me literally most of the times it took me the whole time to like write that and whittle it down and like to really get a good story to just think up a good story and characters to where I could write something, you know, took, took a while, yeah. you know, and John Hughes isn't like up against any clock or anything. So he's just, I'm just sure he's just writing. Yeah. He's not like, Oh, I just, I'm going to be done over the weekend. Yeah. He just gets in there. He says he puts on music because he yeah. loves music. And that's why, you know, it's the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he puts on music and then he just writes he comes out what three days later with a script on a typewriter. Think about yeah. that too. Like that's literally, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Like, I mean, that was eighty-five. So he wrote that on a typewriter. 
So I mean, it's or just word processor, or but word still, processor, but still, it's just it's like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, I mean, but he's like, he's writing iconic movies. He would have schooled at that writing test or oh. that competition thing. Oh, all right, here's your thing. All right, here you go. I'd have been like, oh. uh, what's John doing? Like, I just, I'm just, I just want to read his. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to enter. I just want to read his. Yeah, they give him all. Yeah, here's all the challenges for your two yeah. days. Oh, here you go. <laughs> Done. God, that would have been awesome to see what he would do with like an object, a setting, and a genre. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I just wrote a whole script. Is that yeah. cool? <laughs> it would only need to be five five pages. Yeah, no, I wrote a ninety minute yeah, movie. Yeah, and you read it, you go, oh, this every is every awesome. every weekend challenge was yeah. another ninety minute movie. <laughs> it's like, all with Molly Ringwald. <laughs> all with Molly Ringwald. All awesome. All yeah, all like, awesome. Oh, my God. This is amazing. Byron Allen gets the wind of it. Why don't we just make a feature? Yeah, why don't we just uh, distribute yeah. this yeah, uh, exactly. whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> and you could, though. I mean, it's – and I know everyone has a different process and everything like yeah. that. But it, it is – and it's not like it's it's discouraging. It's actually encouraging because it's like maybe I'm overthinking stuff. Right. Maybe if I just sat down and just – Great, I have this idea. I'm now going to sit down over the weekend and write it. It's definitely my case, yeah. I mean, because who knows? Maybe he maybe he had been kicking that idea around. Like, ah, something, I've something about these teens that make a girl, but I don't really... It's like a Frankenstein, but I don't want her dead. It's like, because then that's just weird. You know, like this weird thing of like, maybe just kicking it around while he's doing something else. And then it hits, like, say it's a Friday. He makes him with a computer. Boom. That's it. Monday. I got it. You yeah. know, because... I'm sure there's always something in his head. I'd love to see his notebooks. Like, just like his, yeah, his yeah, yeah. I bet his just idea notebook was genius. It's just like, oh, I wrote a paragraph about that. You know? It had to be. But he's one of those guys who, you know, one of those guys who just like, like you said, I want it to be about this, 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 this. Like, he, he has it in his head yeah. where it's like he can do this kind of stuff in a, in a weekend. Because it's how yeah, he he, he could works. do both. I can have something in my head. Putting it down is a lot harder. He had the ability to do both. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like this weird to science idea. I know how to put it on paper. Where I might have a good idea, and then you start writing, going, "But what if?" Yeah, and then all of a sudden, then I'm fucked. Then, then <laughs> I'm like, "Oh," and then what? If, let me go to get a coffee, and then I have to go do this, and like the whole adaptation yeah. thing, where it's like, you know, you he's uh, in the beginning. Uh, one of the greatest actors of uh, Earth. Like, yeah, Earth in history, general. History of Earth. That we know. Yeah. We uh, can't go beyond Earth right <laughs> exactly. now. Exactly. And and he may transcend Earth. Yeah. Uh, he probably does. Nick Cage, when he was like, you know, what if what about this? What if it's this? What if it's that? Uh, I think I'm fat. Uh, I think I need a muffin. What if I, yeah, a muffin would be good right now. Yeah, um, banana nut. Yeah, that's a good muffin. Yeah, anything yeah. to like keep his mind off of writing what he's about to write, and it's just like ah, I can't do this. Like I'm, just, fuck. I gotta go. I gotta go out yeah. and get something. I gotta go do something. And that's sort of not really, but an extreme of what people do. But it's not like, all right, I got this idea. Let me go write. Let me, I don't know if he outlines John Hughes or yeah. anything, but it's like I got these scenes. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. The problem is. He could write the whole thing in a weekend. I could write a whole script in a weekend. Right? Yeah, it'll be. I mean, absolutely terrible. And everyone. But I would, could do it to prove a point. Right. <laughs> everyone would have the same voice. And the problem is, John Hughes writes these different voices, like distinct voices. Yeah. And to to do that, 
to direct the dialogue in the voices of all these different characters that to me is the most difficult thing getting into certain uh, gags or set pieces or different scenes is fine but like the Kelly LeBrock character, the, yeah. the kids, like to make sure that the two boys, that they have a distinct voice. Yeah. Like the fact that, you know, you have to, for me, I think you have to develop that, but he like, he just had it, yeah. you know, and he was, I did, I don't throw around the G word, you yeah. know, too much, but he was a, a genius at yeah. that. I mean, he, to know that he wrote these things in like a weekend, it's crazy. Would that break your heart more to find out, oh, Saturday, I outlined it. And then Sunday I just typed it up. Yeah, like that would almost break my heart right. more. Like that he just sat there and went, "We'll have this scene, this scene," and then sat and Sunday, all right, click, 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 click. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's crazy. Yeah, you know, he had to, had to crazy mind just go, okay, here it is. Let me just, it's in here. I'm just gonna put it out on paper. And like at that point, so he had already been making money, so he wasn't. I mean, he had a wife and kids at I think weird science time, but like he was. How old was he when he did weird science? But he was like. 28 or something like that had to be how how? yeah like i mean it's one thing like he was making these films but just like to have that focus like you weren't weren't you pulled everywhere at that point didn't you always have to be somewhere that's true i feel like it's like you always had to be somewhere you know yeah and you talk about outlining on saturday and, and and typing the script out on sunday if if you had the script for weird science on sunday right you didn't have to think about it. You have to do anything, right? And you had to just type it out, like mm-hmm. word for word. Just type it out. That would take I mean, maybe about a week to do. Yeah, it's like how, I have the script. Yeah, it's like, and you're just like, just okay, page one, page two, and you're just typing it out. Yeah. Imagine not having the script. It's yeah. just in your head, just like we're, yeah, we're have, making it difficult because yeah. we've seen the movie, right? He hadn't seen the movie he yet. Seen, and he's just... It's like... Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, that's... Because you literally would have to be typing the whole time in your mind. Just keep going. Just keep going. Keep going. Scene. Scene. Then he goes here. Then he goes here. Voice here. You know? Yeah. Bo- boobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like... Yeah, and to think like, all right, so maybe he spent a week on a revision. I bet that first draft was still really good. You know it was. You know. You know it was. A- like it was complete. Like maybe there was an extra character. Maybe there wasn't a character. And you know maybe like certain things weren't hashed out as well. And it's just sort of. But still, I've, the core idea was still there. Yeah, and you know the agents reading the probably didn't read the first draft, but you know the agents reading the, would read the first draft and go, "Oh God, this is this is the best thing I've ever I've read." You know, yeah. since I've read your last one. You know, yeah. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You got to stop turning these in. Yeah, we don't have exactly. time to we make don't these. Have time to read it. <laughs> Look, Molly and Anthony are busy all the time. Exactly. You can't have them in everything. That's amazing. I think I'll always be marveled by that because I liked the movie so much. Yeah. And I know all the other ones were written in a in a shorter period too. It wasn't like Breakfast Club took me two months to write. Then it would have been baffled. How did yeah. it take you two months to write that? And then yeah. you know, it, it's just yeah. I would like to know. I'd love to see like a first draft. Like, is there a first draft? Yeah. And then you read, it's like, no, that was the shooting draft. He literally wrote shooting yeah. draft. <laughs> it's like done. It's in the movie. It's done in the movie. <laughs> She'll be hot. It's in the it's, movie. It's, it's in the Kelly the Brock. It's in the movie. <laughs> cowboys. Yes, there'll be cowboys yeah. on the TV. It's in the movie. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I think uh, wow, two hours. Yeah, look at that. Wow, that's like the old school yeah. podcast. All right. Um, 
Yes, you're, <laughs> yes, this is post-apocalyptic, and you're welcome. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs>